0: night and Isis woman and her children were among 200 new arrivals at an internally displaced people collection point outside of the Isis line in Syria she was afraid and she asked are you sure it's okay? Are you sure it's okay for me and my children? We were told we would be raped, tortured, and killed by the enemy if we left ISIS and ran across the line for freedom. Kurds and Arabs were working there through the night with missionaries this congregation supports. Giving out life-saving blankets and food to those who risked their lives and fled. Her words. This is amazing. Thank you. Thank you, she said. this relief effort that continues on in this hour is alleviating suffering and saving lives. And people, because there are people on their lines, ISIS's enemy working side by side with missionaries, because of that, People are experiencing the love of God made real through blankets, through touch, through the presence of God and people they don't even know, but who welcome them in a foreign land and say, we love you, God loves you, unconditionally. Years ago, I was a volunteer on Monday nights in an emergency room. For four years, every night after I finished at the church, I would take my church name tag off and I would don this lovely little pink thing that the hospital made me wear. And I would show up as an anonymous volunteer in the emergency room. I was amid people who were hurting and suffering it was a level true trauma center in the metro area, and I saw a lot. I met a lot of people. I made a lot of phone calls to say, your loved one was in an accident. They need you here. Can you come? But the majority of my job, if, if I'm truthful about what it meant to be a volunteer patient representative, would you like Coke or Diet Coke? May I get you a tissue? May I show you to room number 17? Your loved one is ready now for you to take them home. There were a lot of those kinds of situations. But there's one situation that is stuck in my mind for years. It was just one ordinary night of cokes and tissues and room numbers, escorting families back and forth, but the ordinary became very extraordinary and has stuck with me. I was taking someone back to one of the rooms in the emergency room from the lobby when I heard someone hit the floor. I had already pushed the button to take the family I was escorting through, So I didn't stop. I'm sure there was good reason. I just looked back over my head. And yeah, someone had hit the ground. But it wasn't my job. I was a volunteer. The triage nurse was right there. I knew she would get them a room. But he was still there lying on the floor upon my return. And I know the nurse was working to get him a room but there he was. I recognized his face. He was a regular in the emergency room at that time. He was an addict. He was there for more medication. Even though the hospital was doing their thing and helping in that moment, there was nothing that could be immediately done. He was laying on the floor convulsing. And this is what changed me. I saw this large, large woman get down on the floor and hold his head. She reached back for her sweater and she placed it underneath his convulsing head to bring him comfort. And then as he began to vomit, she took his long hair in her hands and she grasped it and she held it to the side. She caressed his face as if he was her only child. I saw her bow as if she was praying over this young man as she continued to wipe his face until the emergency room personnel could take over. I continued. Cokes, coffee, tissues, I'm here to serve you and meet your needs. But I went home at nine o'clock that night and I didn't sleep much. I didn't sleep because of that woman. I didn't sleep because I knew that woman was there with a cardiac victim. What was she doing down on the floor holding a stranger's head? What was she doing holding somebody's hair back to keep them as clean and as comfortable as possible? So I did what any guilty pastor would do. At eight o'clock the next morning, I went to the hospital and I knew he was a cardiac victim that, that her husband was, and so I thought, I'm going to the third floor. They will have him on monitors, and I will find him, and I will find her, and I will figure this out. So my whole way there, I prayed, because I needed to know why she did what she did. God was all over this. God was all over me working on my heart because, no lie, this is what happened. I had pushed the third floor button to go to that third floor where the telemetry unit was. And as the doors open up and I proceed to step off of it, you know who I bumped into, it was this large woman. I stalled her and kind of blocked her because I needed to talk to her. I didn't need her on that elevator. And so I said to her, I said, how is your husband? It was a wonderful maneuver. And I got her off to the side. And she said, he's okay. He'll have surgery later today. And then trying not to be too anxious, I said to her, now tell me about the young man you helped last night. And as if... She didn't know a thing. She said, oh, I I really don't know. I didn't know him. He just needed help. I remember no words coming out and just kind of tilting my head like, tell me more. And without hesitation, she offered back to me. It just seemed right to be present with someone in need. You see, I'm a Christian. With that, the doors opened again. I scooted out of the way and she disappeared. I'm a Christian. Those words have echoed in my life and my ministry for years. She was there for him unconditionally. I went about my way grateful for her witness and thankful. Thankful that people might hold the head and the hair of my cousin who was an addict in a different state. Thankful and grateful that there are people in this world who love unconditionally. Thankful that people out there might hold my head or my husband's head or my children's head at their point of need unconditionally. Valentine's Day is right around the corner and I'm always reminded, reminded by the church family I grew up amid about what I did years ago. In that place, Sunday school didn't start or children's ministry didn't start until you were actively actually in kindergarten. But when I was three, I had had enough of that sitting around with my parents and I got up on Valentine's morning and I made a Valentine. I was determined to make it into that children's ministry that day. And I, I'm sure it wasn't pretty, but I showed up and I did a maneuver to get in front of my sister at the door and I presented it to the teacher. And I heard the words that every three-year-old wanted to hear, come on in. Friends, it was like I was going into the Taj Mahal. This thing had embroidered curtains. This had a painted yellow upright piano and a table and a rug. What more could a three-year-old want? I was going there to play. And I was gonna bang on that piano if my life depended on it. And so in the midst of God at work, in that place, in that time, the holy thing that happened was at the time of dismissal, she said to me, you can come back next week you are always welcome here unconditionally no matter what your parents say you are always welcome isn't it just amazing how God is at work in our lives unfolding stories of unconditional love isn't it amazing how God places people in our lives to bring us into that place of encounter with the holy, with the sacred. Go with me now to the Old Testament. The book of Ruth is a short book. You can read it in 20 minutes easily this afternoon. In just four chapters, it unpacks a story of life, a story that could be told today. It's a story of redemption, and God's faithfulness. It starts off with a husband and wife and their two sons. Famine has hit their land and times are hard. They go to job networking and they realize they have to go to another place to get work and to have an income. And so they do. They go to a land that they're not quite welcome in, but you know, they get into it. And in that place, something very bad happens. The dad, the husband, dies. It leaves Naomi a widow. But don't fear, culturally, she had two sons, so she would be taken care of. Those sons marry, and they all lived happily for 10 years or so. But then again, a misfortune happens again, and those two sons die. So now, all of a sudden, we are face to face as we enter this scripture with three widows. Well, you can only imagine what it was like in Old Testament times. There really wasn't a place for one widow, let alone three. They were doomed to starve and to be poor and to be culturally outcast. Naomi, the mother-in-law, rallies the daughter-in-laws and she says, go back to your mothers, go back to your parents, go back to where you have a chance to marry again and have your needs met through family. Daughter-in-law said, no way, we're with you. That pacified for a little bit, but ultimately then, Naomi says to him again, Go back, go back to your people. And on the second urging, one decided, I will go back. And this is where we pick up with our scripture. And so, hear these ru- words from Ruth, the first chapter, verses 16 and 17. So, we have our mother in law, Naomi, and one daughter in law, Ruth. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There, I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me there it is unconditional love without cons- conditions or qualifications ruth says to her mother-in-law we are in this together they de- they demonstrate courage and compassion And they choose life together, no matter what the risk. Now I want you to jump with me to the Gospels. There's lots of healing stories, and I look forward to sharing some of those with you in the future. But one I want you to think about today is about a man with leprosy in the Gospel of Luke. He falls before Jesus and begs, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reaches out and touches him and says, I am willing, be clean. And immediately, a disease that had plagued him for years left him. You know as well as I that Jesus encountered many, many broken people in his ministry Dreadful disorders, years of pain, years of suffering and hardship. But as the story, with, story of this man with leprosy shows, Jesus wasn't afraid to touch. Jesus wasn't afraid to get involved, even on the Sabbath, with people who had needs, people who needed his power. Jesus loved unconditionally. And Jesus still loves unconditionally today. Just like Jesus encountered this man with leprosy and many, many other people with healing needs. You encounter broken people all the time. They're in your families, they're in your workplaces, they're in the grocery store, they're down the street. And they need a dose of unconditional love. They need us being Jesus present with them so much that addicts will be embraced by strangers, so much that people from Isis, fleeing from Isis will receive blankets from the enemy, so much that children will always hear, you are welcome. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves all of us unconditionally. So often we are running at such a pace, we don't take account of the many ways we are touched by Jesus through other people. That word of hope, that glimmer of light in a dark day. God is at work in and through our lives whether we choose to let God in or not. So often when we take those opportunities to touch other people at their point of need, God is present long before people claim Jesus is their Lord and Savior and friend. Think for a moment about your own life. Who are these people in your lives? Who has held your head at a critical moment? Who has welcomed you when you were in a strange land? Who has said from now on, you are with me? Maybe you don't even know them by name, but you remember the circumstance because it changed you forever. When God uses us to be present with someone, it's powerful and it's holy. When Jesus is living in us, when God is working through us, there may not even be words, but the Spirit hovers and the holy unfolds. I hope you will find it in your heart today to praise God for what God is doing in and through us, not only here in this worshiping community, but in our community and in the greater world and in places of despair and war zone like in Syria. The power of God is that ethnic lines are broken down. The power of God is that it doesn't matter one's lifestyle or condition, God will prevail. God will prevail if we will not coward, but we will be willing to walk along someone in their journey through the wilderness. God will prevail if we will be on God's time rather than our own time. When we allow Jesus to live within us, grace will pour out, love will prevail, and there will be hope upon hope in any circumstance because of the power of God when we choose to embrace that spirit living within us, we will find it very intriguing that we will actually love people way beyond our human capacity. Because that is God. When we open ourselves to that, God will equip and God always shows up. Consider with me for a moment your life journey. Each of us are here because someone took time to share with us about the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Somebody cared enough about us to say, Come on, there's something I want you to hear, something I want you to see, something I want you to feel. They reached us by being present with us. And through it, the story of God being at work in our lives have unfolded. There were cards on your seats when you came in today. I want you to find those cards right now. As a response to unconditional love poured into your life, I want you to hold this card for just a minute. And I want you to pray. And I want you to think about times in your life when God showed up in unexpected ways. When God poured out unconditional love through someone being present with you. When you've thought about a situation or two, pray and discern. If that person is past, you might simply write their name and take that card home and light a candle and give thanks for how they are still informing your loving and your living. If they're in your midst and you know their name, You might write them a personal note or set aside that card and send them a text and say, look, you have made a difference in my life and I'm better for it. If it's somebody you don't even know, like the bagger at your grocery store, you know their place but not their name, write the note and take it to them the next time you go and let them know that their smile, their words are packed with the power of God and bringing hope and bringing unconditional love into the world. Take a moment now and write down who that person is or that circumstance. Write about that unconditional love. As you contemplate, as you reflect, I also hope that you will pray about where God is sending you, where God is equipping you to go forth with words of hope and light to bring grace, to bring unconditional love to those you encounter. We have so much to be thankful for in our lives. So many ways that we can respond to what God is doing in us and through us and through the power of presence in other people. Another way I wanna invite you to respond today is through the sharing of your gifts. There's multiple ways shown on the screen of how you can share your financial gifts to make a difference in people's lives. A living example among us, probably a reason you couldn't find a parking place today, is because 500 and some students, college students and families connected with our worshiping community spent the weekend together touching and sharing about the love of God. Your offerings fund things like that. Your offerings fund the front line as we have missionaries in Syria praying and passing out blankets and telling people against all odds that God loves them and that people in Roswell, Georgia are praying for them. Your gifts make a difference, and however you give, hear my thanks and hear my praise that God might use them all to bring God glory and make his unconditional love known both in our community and throughout the world to the ends of the earth. Please join me now in a spirit of prayer. Holy God, I am humbled and grateful for your unconditional love that's poured into my life and to all of our lives. Lord God, equip us through our times of worship and study to have your eyes, to be your hands, to walk in your steps, that we might have your heart and love unconditionally. Lord God, remove the burdens from our lives, remove those things that might get in our way of sharing your love and hope with others free us lord free us to worship free us to praise free us to love unconditionally amen